Last month here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we heard from Pastor Andrew Brunson. Because of his faith in Christ and his work for God's kingdom, he was held for two years in Turkish prisons. He told us about the struggle, the doubt and despair that he went through. And during that time, the steady support of his wife, Noreen, was really a lifesaver for him. A number of people told her that she should leave Turkey. And yet, because of her love for me, uh, she stayed and put herself at risk because she was the only person who could visit me. She would speak truth to me, encourage me, give me the right perspective. And sometimes she had to correct and rebuke. I mean, she would say, Andrew, that is wrong. Don't say that and speak truth to me. This week, we'll hear Noreen's side of the story. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help. Right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we're in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma today with Noreen Brunson. Noreen was arrested along with her husband, Andrew, in the nation of Turkey. She was subsequently released. Andrew was held for two years in Turkish prisons. We're going to talk to her today about going through that experience and how God even provided blessings in the midst of that suffering. Noreen, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, and I just want to thank all the listeners who prayed for us during this time. I know there were a lot. We uh, had, right before Andrew's trial started, we had your daughter Jacqueline on. Uh, she talked about it, and that was one of the things we ended up with that day was pray. The trial's starting. you got to pray. So I know there are VOM listeners that did pray for you guys. You were arrested together with Andrew. Uh, what was your mindset at that point in time? Did you just— think there must be some mix-up, there must be some confusion, because you had been in Turkey for 23 years without being arrested. What was going on in your heart and in your mind when that happened? So we thought we were getting our long-term residence permit, and that's why we went down to the police station very happily. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the day was planned, uh, so we had no thought of not coming back. And when they informed us we were to be deported, we were surprised I would say not shocked because it can happen to missionaries. But we knew that God had had us on assignment preparing for harvest in Turkey. So it didn't fit with that. So that was definitely, you know, while we knew it was a possibility, it was a shock that it was coming to us right then at that time. During that day, things were quickly changing and it became clear we're not just being told we can go home, pack up to be deported. We're being arrested. And as we were taken to this detention center and our phones are taken away and all of a sudden we're being uh, searched and, and locked up, this was an unexpected way to deport us. And as time went on, it became clear they were actually not deporting yeah. us but keeping us. Was this something that you had thought about or had worried about before, either not necessarily being deported but being persecuted? Was that something – I mean – you're doing gospel work in a Muslim country. It doesn't seem like this would be too far out of your thoughts. For Right. Now, there's a lot of freedom in Turkey. Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of freedom. Uh, 
there, there can always be threats. There can always be some person who comes and does something. So we had that throughout the years. Um, I had always had this fear of persecution and torture in particular. Not that I had any expectation that it didn't seem to fit with happening in Turkey. You know, I... I wasn't completely, completely shocked, even though it had not happened to anyone else. Another thing that as we were being held, and first we were mourning that we were leaving the country, but I thought, wait, the Lord said that there's a harvest coming to Turkey. He wants us to prepare for it. And there had just been a coup uh, Mm -hmm. three months prior to that, uh, an attempted coup in Turkey, and there was state of emergency. Everything was kind of a very heightened level of tension. People were being rounded up. They were being arrested. Tens of thousands were arrested. And, you know, when one person is arrested, their family is affected. So this really affects quite a few people in Turkey. And I thought, these people have had their lives turned upside down suddenly. And maybe harvest will start in prison with these people. And God wants us to be in prison with them. So So that was going through my mind. In those very early days, and I was—I didn't voice that to Andrew, but I was trying to just prepare myself and before the Lord say, you know, Lord, if this is what you have, I have to submit to it. But that's a struggle. Yeah. How, how much of a struggle was it in your own heart to say, okay, if, if going to prison helps the harvest, I want the harvest, so okay, I will go to prison. How much did you wrestle with that? even in those, you know, opening hours. I did struggle with that, and I was struggling quietly because I didn't want to voice this concern to Andrew. I was concerned about, you know, disappearing into the system, not seeing my kids again, and we hadn't been able to let them know. I mm-hmm. knew they were worried, and I was afraid. We were afraid of being separated, and Andrew and I being separated and, you know, kind of disappearing into things. And, yeah, it was so—all of a sudden it was a situation that was so— beyond my control. And I'd say, okay, Lord, it's like you, you, we're suddenly thrust into this ride that we don't know where we're being taken. And only God knows. And we'd say, okay, Lord, I can't do anything to reach my kids. You're going to have to hold them. So it was definitely a struggle. And, and is that, you do that once and then you're okay for an hour or two? Or is it like every five minutes you got to come back to say, okay, Lord, you're in charge of this? It was... A struggle to be working myself towards it, and you you don't even want to think about it because it's like, oh, no. But at the same time, yes, I mean, at the end of the day, you do have to, well, you don't have to surrender, but but this is what the Lord does uh, ask of us. And, you know, when my emotions are screaming no for something, for other things as well, something that has helped me is to say, I don't want it, my emotions don't want it. But Noreen in Christ says yes to everything that you have, Lord. And I can say that confidently. Mm-hmm. Who I am in Christ is who I truly am. And I can say, Lord, you know, I don't want this. But Noreen in Christ says yes. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Noreen Brunson. She was arrested in Turkey. Noreen, I, I learned actually just today that in your family tree, there are persecuted Christians, people who were persecuted under the communists in Hungary, what did you learn from them, or or tell us a little bit about their story and how how that's a part of your heritage? Yes, it's actually quite a rich heritage. Um, so my father is Hungarian. 
He escaped in 56, but his grandfather had come to faith in a dramatic way, started a Baptist church in Hungary, in Hungarian, and uh, was just a, a, he was a quite high up in the government, but he used his means and his position and his wealth for the church, for the, so it was quite a, it's quite (laughs) a heritage, actually. My grandfather then married his daughter and became the editor of a Baptist paper. Okay. This was in communist Hungary. And so it wasn't easy. I don't know a lot of the details. I know that he was, at one point, as a 60-year-old man, he was taken to the police station. He was stripped. They said a, a naked man can't lie. He was beaten. Um, I know that there were people, police, coming to the house every every night, staying for hours. And my grandmother said, who are these? What, what What's going on here? So it was quite a, there was definitely pressure. I don't know a lot of details. I never met my grandfather I never uh, got to hear these stories directly from him. But yes, the family was under under pressure. My uncle was a pastor there. His permit to preach was revoked. He went to a factory to work and actually led more people to faith there probably than as a pastor. <laughs> so there is a rich heritage. So you you have seen that God works through persecution sometimes, even in your own family tree. Sure. When you were released after 13 days, you and Andrew had been held together. They come in and say, Noreen, you can go. You actually asked to stay. Uh, I think most of our listeners are like, wait a minute, why would you ask to stay in prison? Why did you ask? We were afraid of being separated from each other and then just not knowing then. Uh, So that was one thing we had really been desperate to stay together um, I knew that Andrew didn't want to be alone. He had just brought it up the night before. And uh, I knew this was one of his fears. And, you know, on one hand, of course, I don't want to stay. Uh, but whatever happens, let it be to us together. From there, you became really a warrior on his behalf outside of prison, both in the spiritual sense of being a warrior and in the working with the government, working with different things, protesting, asking for his release. One of the things that his book, God's Hostage, talks about is just how you would go into prison and immediately speak words of encouragement to him. First question, where did you get the encouragement? Because I'm sure you had to be beaten down and discouraged yourself. But then second, why was that so important to verbalize encouragement to him? So there were definitely, I would always, for each week, I would try to prepare and gather any encouraging news. And weeks when, especially if I had no encouraging news or almost nothing to tell him, I would just say, Lord, you know, how am I going to encourage him? Or if I'm this discouraged, how can I begin to help him? Um, And just say, you know, Lord, for better, for worse, I'm going in now. You know, anoint me, give me something to give to him. And and I would come out not knowing many times if I had been able to mm-hmm. encourage him sufficiently or not. But, you know, you do, you, you ask the Lord to help and you just do the best you can. And I would say, Lord, what do I need to speak to him? And what do I need to pray over him? And, and it's repetitive. It's the same, a lot of the same things. But I would, I would try to, I think this developed as we had our visits and it developed into where, you know, we can't touch because we have glass and in the second prison also bars between us, but we would put our hands on each side of the glass. It was the closest thing we could do. And I would just right away pray over him. I wanted to speak truth and hope and life and grace and all those things into him. I knew that I would also be hearing his struggles, but I wanted to be putting 
in whatever was possible from God, just trying to kind of impart to mm-hmm. him. Were there people helping you carry the weight? Because you, sure. he's he's unburdening himself to you. You're walking out of prison. I can imagine you're thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to carry this? What did it mean to have people come alongside you? I mean, to have people praying all over the world, and it was growing. I think I we probably weren't aware of the extent to which the prayer was happening, but nonetheless, I knew of many people who were praying, and that that's huge. That was just huge. The church there where I was, my brothers and sisters there were standing with me, and the times of prayer and worship, and it was just really pressing into God. So no, I was I was not alone. We're talking today on Voice of Martyrs Radio with Noreen Brunson. Noreen Andrew writes in his book, God's Hostage, about his fear that he was going insane, that, that literally he was losing his mind inside the prison. Were you worried that he was losing his mind? Did, did you see signs that, that he was slipping? I did not. So I'm not trying to minimize how he felt. And I had this discussion with him the other day. I'm not trying to minimize that he felt that way. But in his letters, you know, even though they were very dark— but it was coherent. It was, you know, I did not have that. When, when you would go and visit, did he say, I think I'm losing my mind? Uh, there were probably a couple times when he said that he, he had felt that he had come to the edge and kind of looked over. And, of course, that's very heavy to hear. Oh, There's yeah. no question. It's very scary. He's not crazy. He didn't go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Praise God. There were times, though, as you were with him, that you literally gave him a script. Like, when you're tempted to this, when you're feeling this way, here's what you need to say, Andrew. And yeah. and he would literally repeat what you had said. Yes, like, I choose life. I choose life. Or, yeah. Yes. Or, or I, one thing, again, is this Andrew in Christ. I say, Andrew in Christ chooses life. Is that something you do in your own heart and mind? Hey, today I choose Christ. I'm going to say this. I do. You know, I don't always remember to do these things, but yes, I, you know, at times there are different ways to fight. Right. There are different ways to pray and and there are different approaches. And um, definitely part of it sometimes is to be statements of truth and declarations. And I was trying to, I guess, uh, give Andrew something short. Somebody had given uh, maybe advice and said, you know, to have something short that he can just focus on and try to refocus him. Um, You have limited time. The visit is actually very short. Obviously, there are letters, and even those were quite repetitive because, again, it's saying the same things again and again. You know, God is in this. People are praying. I love you. You know, things like that. You're not forgotten. I'm I'm picturing a sense of spiritual warfare going on inside the prison and inside Andrew's own heart and mind, and you're really smuggling weapons into him to fight that spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he writes about in the book is the fact that you guys had a, a coordinated Bible reading plan and prayer plan. So he's in prison, you're not in prison— but you're reading the same passages of Scripture. It was, you're praying the same things. Talk a little uh, bit about that yeah. and how that kept you connected. Yeah, I, you know, I'm thinking, what can we do? The five of us are in different places, you know, including our kids. What can we do? And so one thing was to try to say, okay, here's a time of day. You know, it might be 12 o'clock in the U.S. for one child. For another, it's 1 o'clock. For someone else, for us, it's 8 o'clock at night. 
and uh, just that we will, at that time, come together before God's throne. That was the idea, was to bring the family together as much as possible. And then the, the reading with Andrew was to, you know, again, have something that we're doing together. It's, it's interesting because I interviewed uh, John Short, who was detained in North Korea. His wife was in Hong Kong while he was detained. And they have done, through their whole marriage, they've had a regular mm. reading plan. Mm. And they both talked about the fact that they knew they're reading the same scripture yes. that day, even yes. though they couldn't talk to each other. Yes. And they... It connected them some yes. somehow supernaturally. It, yes, it made that connection for them. Several significant things happened in your family over the course of the time that Andrew was in prison. Mm-hmm. Your daughter got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, your father passed away. Yeah. You were in Turkey. Yeah, and you didn't feel like you could leave. Talk a little bit about that. How how hard was that to not be able to be at some of those things? But then also, why didn't you think I could go to the U.S. and then come back? I was concerned that if I left the country, they might not let me back in. However, in December, coming up to December 2017, my daughter was graduating from college. And, uh, you know, it was close to Christmas. And I thought, okay, you know, should I try to go for 10 days and just quickly see uh, each one of the kids just very briefly and, and only miss one prison visit kind of thing. I was just trying to think how I could do this. There was just that I I, I didn't take the chance. Mm-hmm. I didn't go. I so s- how hard were it those was, days it when was you hard. know? You know, I, I, I love the story of Mary at Jesus' feet. And I said, you know, pouring out something very precious. And I love that. And I've said, Lord, I want to, that's what I, I want to do that for you. And then I realized, oh, I'm pouring out you something very precious. That. And, you know, in the in the light of eternity, it's not a big deal to miss your child's college graduation. But since there hadn't been a high school graduation, because, you know, they were homeschooled, and it was just, it was a big deal. And uh, I said, you know, as I watched the days get closer and there was no release and it just wasn't happening. And I said, you know, I'm going to miss it. I can be angry about it and hurt. And I was hurt. Or I can offer this, give this as an offering to the Lord. And so, you know, I watched the graduation live. I'm crying. I, um, I got on my knees and put my face to the ground and said, this is my sacrifice, Lord. I'm giving this to you. But it it wasn't I wasn't filled with joy. It's a, it's I was really sad. Sacrifice. It was very painful. Yeah, it was very painful. Again in the light of eternity, not much, but we're humans. But as a mom, as you, a mom you want to be there. For sure. How did your kids deal with this? This whole 2-year process, did you see were you worried about them? Were you worried about how they were handling it or did you draw strength from them that that they or a little bit of both? Yeah, I I was worried about them. I didn't like that they were having to... I was, on one hand, very happy that they were out of Turkey, that they were safely out of Turkey. However, they were all in different places. And, you know, I just... I thought, are they? do they have the support they need? When Andrew started to write to them in the beginning, he was just in survival mode. And at some point, I encouraged him, you know, the kids really need to hear from you. And And some of the letters were dark, and I would censure them, you know, a little bit, because I I felt that that was a weight that seemed to me too heavy for our kids to carry. 
But he wrote beautiful letters to them, powerful letters, the kind of letters that every child would want to have, especially one of our kids who was going through a hard time, the kind of thing that every kid would want to have from their parents. So I just see even how the Lord, in the the absence there, they were having this separation from their dad, and yet one of the children in particular has these letters that are a treasure that probably would not have been written in normal, daily, busy life. Right. You, you would say it in a phone call and, and move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did you discover how many people were praying? Because this is something, and you've talked about it, literally millions of people are praying for Turkey and praying for Andrew, praying for you. How did that start to dawn on you that, wait a minute, this is not just our church back home. This is not just our family. This is all around the world. Yeah, I don't remember exactly when it was, you know, how early on it was that I realized the extent. And at some point, though, I just, you know, the Lord kind of gave understanding. There's some way in which they're praying for Andrew, but some of this prayer, however the Lord works it, is actually being applied to Turkey, whether it's directly for Turkey or Mm -hmm. not, whether they're specifically praying for Turkey. Some were, uh, and certainly they were aware of Turkey, but there's some way in which this is coming in for Turkey's blessing which is wonderful, of course. Right. Andrew started to be concerned that he was more valuable to the Lord, to the kingdom, <laughs> in prison than out of prison. But yeah, people would write. I I opened a like a public a friend helped me open a public Facebook page, and so people would write in comments there, and they would say not just I'm praying for you, but my church is praying mm-hmm. for you. You know, my group, my small group is praying for you, and I just frankly lost track. You know, every time I'd hear of a different country, you know. Senegal or Switzerland. I'm like, thank you, Switzerland. Thank you, France. Thank you. You know, it was just such a such a blessing. I lost track. And that was something you would then take your next meeting with Andrew. Yes. You would say, hey, Senegal's praying for you. Yes, yes, yes. The U.S. government was very involved in your case in all the way up to the White House, literally. Talk a little bit about how that made a difference and just how the U.S. government really did become a force for good in this situation. What we really learned during, what I really learned during this time, God has his people in all kinds of places. Some of them very high positions, some very unusual places, and he has his children who know people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he has other people who are not part of the kingdom, but they're being used for the kingdom in his purposes. Yeah, in his um, sovereignty. Yeah, so behind all this was... I. Prayer was behind all this, and, you know, to be able to get up to the president of the United States is for, uh, just amazing. He has a thousand things on his plate. You know, for him to take notice of this, it was just the Spirit of God. Yeah. Well, and yet, scary because it's gone so high on the right. human level. and nothing's happened. And nothing's happened. And Andrew would say, okay, there's all this prayer happening. And this is what you have to, you know, yes, there's all this prayer happening going on, and yet, it's not here. Right. Well, and there was uh, it was big news that uh, Erdogan was at the White House and Trump asked about Andrew from the reporting that I saw. He asked about him three separate times in the conversation. What about Andrew Brunson? What about Andrew Brunson? And yet, like you say, the next day Andrew wasn't on a plane out of there. How frustrating was that? It, it was, and it was discouraging. You know, on a human level, you want to say, okay, God is in charge here. But when you're in those situations— there are fears and there are doubts that creep in. 
and you don't know exactly how things are going to play out. What was the hardest day, or, or what was the lowest point? There was a time at which, uh, so this was after the summit had happened, and President Trump and Vice President Pence had asked for Andrew's release for a total of three times, and things hadn't happened. Andrew was at a real low. And there's a whole story behind this where there was a, um, it seemed that the Lord had shown there was going to be a release. And when that didn't happen, there was a, and there's, it's too long to go into here, but there was a whole spiritual crisis that came alongside with that disappointment. He's not only still in prison, Mm -hmm. but what happened, God? So he was at a very low point. It was also a low point with another situation that was going on. And so I was trying to guard my mouth in what I let out, what I said. But I just said, God, is this what you want? You know, I was like angry. Is this what you want? Is this what you, you know? And um, and I said, you know, if you don't do something, Andrew just, I, I can't say for sure what he might do. So it was a low point, definitely. It was definitely a low point, yes. And how did God bring you out of that or, or bring you out the other side of that? Or was it just a matter of, of waiting you, to see progress? You wait and and— you know, as much as possible, you keep going day by day, one day at a time, and by His grace. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Noreen Brunson. She was arrested in Turkey. Her husband, Andrew, spent uh, two years in prison there. We had Andrew on just a few weeks ago. If you want to go to vomradio.net, you can hear our conversation with Andrew. Noreen, as we finish up, I want to—we try to equip people to pray— But I want first, because I know some of our listeners prayed for you and prayed for Andrew, and I want to just, I want you to speak to them what that meant or or what it means now to be able to talk to people who prayed for you. Yeah, huge blessing. I mean, the body of Christ, what a gift that is for all of us. And as Andrew has said many times, one of his fears was being forgotten. And so to know that he's not being forgotten, to, so let's not forget these people who are, who are suffering. And that's why I appreciate what your ministry is, because it's all about doing that, all about lifting them up and helping them. So, yeah, the prayers are, the prayers are huge. You know, there are so many times you can't do anything else but pray. <laughs> but that's nope. not the last resort. That's the most important thing. the most thing. important thing. So that, that never needs to stop. Andrew talks about in, in the book— being broken and then sort of bouncing back from that and then being broken again and then bouncing back a little bit stronger and then being broken again and then bouncing back a little. Did you see that? Did you see his strength increasing? uh, Yes. So at some point we were able to write. There were different stages in this whole thing. But when he was able to write and then there were just very dark letters. And I remember the first letter where he wrote, I am willing to be made willing. And I said, that's enough. That's a, what a victory, you know. And I kept that letter by my bed, and I would literally hold it up to Lord and Lord, see this and reward them according to this heart. And so definitely there would, you know, there were dark things in the letters, but there were victories too. 
along the way, and I would say increasingly, and, and yes, I noticed that, especially the second year, that he would get up more quickly. Mm-hmm. Definitely I could see that happening. And yeah, there were, no, there were some really amazing things in the letters, and I would say, I would be like, oh, Lord, I know what it's costing him to say this in this right. circumstance. I mean, just amazing. I said, I don't know if I can say this. I like the picture of you holding up the letter, say, see, God, look, look at this. Again Um, and again. Again and again. (laughs) (laughs) Noreen, as we pray and as we equip our listeners to pray, I want to ask you two questions. First, how do we pray for the nation of Turkey? Uh, There is a lot of upheaval that has gone on in the last few years. It it is different from what it was 10 years ago. How do we pray for the nation of Turkey right now? So the Lord spoke about harvest coming to Turkey, spoke that to Andrew in 2009, and we started to prepare for that. But along with that, he also was showing several times that it was going to come in difficult circumstances. We didn't know what those circumstances would be. We didn't know that we would be caught up in some of them. But I still believe that that's true. We're seeing more people deported from Turkey, uh, foreigners, foreign uh, Christian workers there, being deported, especially in 2019. I think that it's uh, going to be difficult for Turkey. And I would say, for one, let's pray this for this harvest. We don't want to take it for granted. Yes, it's on God's agenda, but let's come into agreement with, with what God has, his plans, and let's pray for the church there that the Lord will raise up strong leaders that they will stand strong as somebody uh, received from the Lord. It, the birth will be messy, but the baby will be beautiful. Amen. And so, yeah, difficult times. Let's pray for a beautiful Turkish bride. Um, right now, there's an incredible uh, amount of seed being sown. A lot of people are seeking, and we just want this seed to find the hearts where it will really take root and produce fruit. So we... we we would be, the way Andrew puts it, we would be pessimistic, except that we know that God has a harvest on the agenda. So we're, we're, we're praying according to that. Amen. And then the last question I want to ask is just, you've been the wife of a pastor in prison. There are pastors in prison right now. There are women whose husbands are outside. They're in prison. How do we pray for, for the spouses and the children who are going through this vicariously while their husband, while their wife, while their dad, while their mom is in prison? How do we pray for them? So many ways, and you probably have thought through all that much more uh, here at your ministry. But I would say one really important thing is just that they not turn away from the Lord and become offended by what's happening. That's the temptation, I think, when we're going through pain to say, God, why are you allowing this? That they will really keep pressing into God somebody whose husband, or she and her husband were both uh, held in China, and she put it very well. She was saying, when we're going through hard times, you know, it's great to talk to Christian friends, your pastor, your counselor, whatever. Those are great, but really, the first place you need to go to, those are not a substitute for going straight to God right? and really pressing into God. So I would say, you know, the Lord is our strength. He is our strength, and during this time, I knew that I had to press into him. I could not do it on my own. So I, I guess I would just say, you know, one thing would be pray that the families will continue to press into God because that is where their resources will come from. Amen. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Noreen Brunson. 
As I mentioned earlier, her husband Andrew was on with us last month, and you can go to vomradio.net and listen to that. Andrew's book, God's Hostage, is available now, and we'll give you a link to order that also at vomradio.net. And uh, while you're there, you can go back and listen to our conversation with their daughter, Jacqueline. She was on actually right before Andrew's trial started, helping us know how to pray as the trial began. So that's available as well in our archives. Noreen, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for sharing your heart and uh, helping us pray here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for having me. Earlier in the program, Noreen Brunson talked about the persecution her grandfather and her great-grandfather faced under communism in Hungary. Next week, we're going to take a look more closely at the rise and fall of communism in the 20th century and what it means for the spread of the gospel as we think back 30 years ago this month to the fall of the Berlin Wall. We're going to have a guest who grew up on the other side of that wall and watched it fall from the inside, behind the Iron Curtain. I know you'll be enlightened by that, so please join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.